In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. It is National Park Week. Yay! I love the national parks. We were having a fun interaction over on the Ordinary Sherpa Facebook group just to share a few of your parks that you've either been to that have been highlights for you or maybe some that might be on your list. So it's kind of a fun interaction. If you are not a member, come on over and join the Ordinary Sherpa Facebook group. I also shared on Instagram, I made a reel. Since June of 2020, we have been to six national parks. And if things go according to plan, I think we'll be adding at least two or potentially three more to our list of national parks visited. And part of that was due to we have planned, (laughs) in case you aren't aware, we are a little cheap, uh, thrifty, I should say. So we had planned big national park visits in the year that my children were in fourth grade, and that happened to have been last year for my son. We took as much advantage as we could, which was not a lot. However, they did extend it. If you aren't aware, not only the Every Kid Outdoors fourth grade pass, but there is a transitional voucher for fifth graders this year. It goes through August of 2021. So you'll want to jump on. I have in the show notes a couple of links to the national park programs. There's quite a few other programs, too. I'm sure many of you know the America the Beautiful Pass is kind of the annual pass. There's also military special needs. There's a lot of different passes that are available. I have links again to all of those in the show notes. So go check them out. And hopefully you will be inspired to visit one. I want to take a moment. I'm so close to hitting 50 reviews. And you know how much I love to read these reviews because my listeners are some of my favorite people. So today's review is from Austin and it says, Adventure Awaits. Thank you for the great content you put out, Heidi. This show is so well done and inspiring. While I don't have kids, the show helps me better understand what it means to instill a sense of adventure for any age and family. I appreciate your positivity and perspective to find ways to challenge misconceptions of what adventure means and how to reset your mindset to be bold wherever you are. Thank you so much, Austin. I love reading. These are like the little gems that I get every week when I look in my reviews to see who has left a review. So those are just fun. Will you please help me get number 50? I'm so close and I've been hovering in the 40s for the last couple months. I know I haven't been overly deliberate about asking, but if you would be willing to take two minutes of your time, if you're enjoying the show If you've gotten some value, if you're a member of the Sherpa community, however you find us, if you're getting value from the show, if you would take two minutes and I've made a little, an easy tutorial for you. If you go to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash reviews, again, it'll be in the show notes. It'll walk you through step-by-step how to leave a written review. That would be amazing. I would be so excited. Let's see if we could even surpass 50 and get to like 55. I don't know. I think we can do it. That'd be amazing. We'll see. I'll check back next week. Imagine that. This week, though, is a fun episode. 
I'm going to introduce my guest here in a little bit, but one of the things, you know, as you think about what Ordinary Sherpa is, there's some threads that we're starting to see. First of all, it's simplicity. So it's things like backyard adventures and how do you just find adventure in your everyday life, some things that are really simple without having to do a lot of planning. The second thread I would say is we call it on tourism. How do you travel like a local? How do you find locations that are meaningful where you can have not a lot of the hustle and bustle and crowds and expense that go along with it? And again, just keep family travel experiences more local and authentic. And the third is around creating an adventurous lifestyle. How can you create flexibility in your schedule to allow for more adventures to show up? And today's episode is kind of the guru of <laughs> lifestyle design. Our next guest is one of my superheroes. After struggling to figure out his own path growing up, a talk with his dad late one night nudged him into the world of photography. He would go on to be one, and probably still is, one of the best sports photographers of our time, capturing some amazing award-winning photos for many professional sports. And while I love photography and can appreciate his work, that's not really what drew me to him. His story, Freelance to Freedom, walked me through how he challenged the status quo and rewrote the rules to his own life so that he could live, work, and play on his terms. He's an author, a coach, an entrepreneurial guru, and a rainmaker, also a devoted husband, father, who lives generously creating the space so that so many others can succeed in life, work, and play. Vincent Puglisi, it is so exciting to have you. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Well, I'm blushing right now, Heidi. I'm blushing. That was, oh my God, that was me. That was me you were talking about. Is that right? Yeah, that's you. That's crazy. That's all Thank true. You. Thank you. Thank you. And I think it's most appropriate for my listeners to really understand, because now that I've talked about this life that you've created, give me a snapshot of like, what has the last couple months been like for you? Like, what is your life like? The last week has been frustrating because we got, <laughs> we got back from four months on the road in Florida and we want to go back. So we were packing up our house and we are moving to Florida. Yeah, this isn't even public news yet, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> As a family... I have a beautiful wife, Elizabeth. We have three boys. We homeschool. So they're 15, 13, and nine. We've done that for seven years now. And about five years ago, we said we wanted the freedom to be able to go where we want to go when we want to go. And we live in Pittsburgh, which we loved, but we didn't like the winters here. So we would just said, how do we do this to where we can leave and go for the winter? So we started going for a month at a time. We went to Corpus Christi, Texas, and then we went across country when my book was published. So what we've done is every year in the winter, we pack up and we leave for three to four months. And that's been the case for the last four years or so, which has been so much fun. Yeah. How do you decide where you're going? Do you just kind of pack up and go, okay, well, let's see where this takes us. Or do you have a pretty established plan when you go somewhere? No, we are not. It's funny because it's like, it always winds up well, but there's never really a big plan to it. It's where do we want to go? And the first year was like, well, we're publishing the book. I, what we did was a thank you tour. So when the book was published, we wanted to drive around the country as much as we could and give the book to the people that helped. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was. So I got to hand the book to Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller and Seth Godin and Pat Flynn. It was really cool to not only be able to thank them that way, but for my kids and my wife to meet them and sit down and have coffee and dinner with many of them, which was such an awesome experience as opposed to just doing you know, a book launch. So the idea with that was let's chart the path. And we went from Pittsburgh, you know, all the way down. We stayed in Tucson, Arizona. We stayed along the way for a couple of weeks and then into Oceanside, California for a month, into Utah, you know, Northern California, all throughout. So that that trip was more planned out. But every year, you know, last year it was we're going to 
St. Augustine, Florida for a month. We've heard great stuff about it. And then we went to Orange Beach, Alabama for a month and then Hilton Head for a month. And then this year was all around the, the Gulf Coast of Florida. So every year it's something different. But now with the move to Florida, it kind of gets us in a great spot because we can stay there for the winter. And then we do these adventures the other times of the year. So now we get because when you leave in the winter time, there's only two places to go, like Florida yeah. and Arizona, yeah. right? Now we're there for the winter. We'll be able to explore, you know, the rest of the world the way that we want to do it. Yeah. And you can flip it. So you can like explore the rest of the country in the summertime instead exactly. of always going to Florida for the winter. That's awesome. Exactly. You already had touched on a piece that I think is really one of your, I don't know, your pillars of who you are. It's this idea of like building community. You have so many connections and you do like your thank you tour. Talk just to me, how do you find the people and how do you begin those conversations and those connections? Because I think what the reason I want to go there is Ordinary Sherpa is really about building community so that families Mm -hmm. can connect through adventure. And it's not just families together, you know, the family unit, but it's also families connecting with other families. And I think that is just like one of your superpowers is building connections with other people and learning from them. So just tell me through, like, how did you get to that point and, and what drew you to this community? Then how do you get there? Yeah, I think, thank you for that. I appreciate that. I really think it comes down to curiosity. I really think that's the word. I mean, I can give you a very, you know, cerebral thought process, but I think it comes down to being curious. And I've always been very curious to a fault where I would get in trouble for it. Like I never, I never just accepted what everybody told me the case was going to be going back all the way to school. I'm 49. So I remember in 1976 was the country's, the centennials, 20, Mm -hmm. 200 year anniversary. And every, I was like five years old. And we have to wear red, white, and blue. That's what you have to wear for the, for the picture. And I was like, I'm not wearing red, white, and blue. And my mom's like, you have to. Everybody is. And I said, no, I want to wear my green suit. I had this ugly green suit. I wanted to wear it. And everybody, my teacher, my parents, you can't wear that. This is what you do. And I said, so I you know, was a big baby. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm wearing the green suit. So I want to wear the green suit. And there's still the picture that my parents have of everybody wearing red, white, and blue and all the banners and me in the middle with this just smile on my face with my green suit. And I think it came down to, I was always curious about why it has to be done a certain way, why it can't be done differently. And then that led into conversations and relationships, which is like, instead of trying to kind of get something out of it, which I've had my selfish streaks in my life, but the best conversations always came from me asking as opposed to me telling. And, you know, I got, I get caught up in that as well. It's like, oh, you want to tell this story or that story, tell about what I do. I love asking. I love Wanting to know what, what just like you're doing here, what makes it tick? Why do you do that? Why didn't you try this? I like challenging questions. I don't like just, I don't like small talk. Mm-hmm. I get the weather and blah, blah, blah. I'm so bored with it. What are we doing here? What's the problem? What are, you, what are your dreams? So I've always loved that. And that's kind of led to a lot of connection, a lot of, I guess, genuine friendships or relationships. Sometimes, you know, they don't go well that way. When you, when you're, when you ask a lot of questions and you challenge people, it doesn't always make everybody happy. You know, some people don't like that. Yeah. And there's been friendships that have been damaged from that. But I know the ones that stick around are real deep and they're great because we can go into it. And if you're willing to risk a friendship because you care, the friendship gets better if it can last. And I think that's led into just a lot of curiosity and, and wanting to know people. And it's just there's been no formula to it, but it's it's just keeps growing that way. 
you have the spontaneity to you that you can pull from, I think you listen really well too, you know, in terms of curiosity and listening, but I'm also, I can sense that rubble inside of you. Like I, I, you know, the green suit is the perfect example. I happen to have a child like that. And I'm just curious, do you have kids also? And how does that play out in the family dynamics? Oh, they're so frustrating because they're just like me, <laughs> you know? It, it, it is because like, oh, my mom said that. I hope you have a kid like you. And I remember calling her when our oldest was nine. I said, well, your wish came true because he's just like <laughs> me and he's and he is driving me crazy. But what we've had to do, and this I think goes down to the, the heart of your show, is we've had to let go of some of the control. Because the hardest thing you could do with somebody that needs that is try to control them. They will fight back. That's why so many people have damaged relationships because – if you come from a family where you need to be a doctor because we're all doctors, but this person's an artist, it's not going to end well. Now, you might get them to be a doctor, but they're going to hate it and they're going to resent you most likely. And we've seen that over and over. People that I coach, they're 35 years old and incredibly successful because their parents wanted them to do it, but they really want to do something else. How do I get out of this? How do I disappoint my family and my teachers? It's really hard. So with us, we encourage curiosity with our children. We encourage them to study the things that they want to study. We don't do school like everybody else. School is life to us. Everything is school. Whether it's 7.30 in the morning when you get up and dig in the dirt or Sunday afternoon, it's all school. So it's not like, oh, what's the curriculum? The curriculum is life. So our youngest is very much into taking apart electronics. He can have amazing conversations with these adults on it. Our middle child is into ants and he does balloon animals as a little business. Our oldest, he has always been into bugs. And a lot of parents would be like, that's awful. It's disgusting. He wanted a scorpion since, since he was four years old. So he would draw pictures. He would study it. Now he's 15 and he's got a scorpion tarantula. He knows more than I could ever imagine. Studies it like crazy. And you might have seen it. We were in Florida mm -hmm. and he went out with a scorpion tarantula, Clearwater Beach, in two weeks, just with a little tip jar and holding out a scorpion tarantula. He made over $1,600 in tips wow. at 15. And it's only because as they sat down with him, they're like, this kid is really mature. He, he was teaching people. One girl came over and said, I've learned more from you in a half hour than I did in all of my science class. Mm -hmm. But that only came because he had the freedom to study what he wanted to study. That's how we combat the rebelliousness. It's not enabling, but we're giving them the path to study what they love to study. And your son created a space for people to overcome fear. Because how many people are going to hold a tarantula or a scorpion without I mean, that's not something that people sign up for regularly. And you no. and I think that was just such an awesome lesson for a 15-year-old to teach adults. Like, what are you so afraid of? You can hold yep. these. Let me teach you how to do it safely. Here's what you need to know. So how does how did he come to that place where he overcame his own fear? Or was he never fear? Was he just a fear? He was, no, yeah. no, no, he never. <laughs> no, no. His, his main, the first time we went, Arizona was part of the first trip because his, the only thing he wanted to do on that trip was to find a scorpion. Were you afraid? Were you like, uh, those are dangerous? No, I, it's, uh, I, I don't know how I'm not dead <laughs> <laughs> because it's, I've never, it's always like, it'll, it'll work out. It'll work out. And, you know, it goes back to, you know, my childhood of, you know, always just, just putting yourself in the place of adventure, like just saying yes to things. And you know, I, I, I joke if people are old enough, there's a cartoon called Mr. Magoo. And it's this, this old guy with glasses. He was, he can only see a couple steps in front of him. And I'm Mr. Magoo. That was my nickname because he was clueless and he was blind, but he always kept walking and he always fell into the right spot. And that's kind of me. So I realized 
you know, if it doesn't kill you, it's a great story. And I and I have a T-shirt that says bad choices make good stories. And, you know, Elizabeth bought that for me, of course, because even if it doesn't work out well, if you survive, there's a great story. And that's how I get all my stories from. So even with the with the tarantula and the scorpions, like, all right, let's, you know, other people hold them. Mm -hmm. That's always been my whole thing. Even when people freak out when they see Andrew, you know, they're like, no way. No, it'll kill me. I'm like, there's a 15 year old here holding it right now. It's not killing him. And then they go, ah, okay. And the amount, like you said, the amount of people that got over their fears during those couple of weeks. I mean, they were like taking pictures, selfies, videos, because they're sound, like, look, look what I did. And a 15 year old did that. So it's a pretty cool adventure. Yeah. Is Elizabeth on the same boat? Because at some point, is there someone that level sets you or do you, <laughs> are you all this? Like? Yeah. Oh, she's the rational one of our home. Yeah. She, she keeps everything together. She, she, what's really cool is, is when we met, I was way more this way and she was way less this way, you know, opposites attract. Mm -hmm. But as time goes on, I, I really think I've mellowed a lot more because, you know, there's a lot more responsibilities. I don't want to, I don't want to do something that's really dangerous. That's going to, you mm -hmm. know, damage our family. Right. right. And so I've become a little bit much more muted with that. And she's also become more adventurous. Like even the move coming here, she, we got home and she was like, we're going, awesome. we're going. And she started getting the boxes. I'm like, normally it would be me pushing it. So I think we, if I don't push too far and she doesn't go too far the other way, we kind of start blending towards each other. So, but she is the rational, smart one of the family. Yeah. And I love how it always seems like you guys do things in partnership. And even if, I guess I would always say, you know, in reading your book, you guys figured out a way to find the right path for you, but you did it on your own terms. Yeah. And that's not, that's something that takes a lot of courage. And probably you had a lot of people that didn't think that you were doing the right thing. So how do you overcome adversity, I guess, in, in writing your own path? See, I don't know if I'm a great example for it because I never, I never had to overcome the adversity because I always had it. Mm. Like when I was in school, I was never a good student. I never followed the path. I never was praised for it. I never felt like I belonged. So what was I really losing? You know, I wasn't, I felt like I was fighting authority and I felt like I was fighting people that had a story for me to, to live, but it wasn't my story. I remember at 16 years old being it with my guidance counselor, I wrote about it in my book and, and she said, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea, but I know I don't want to wear a tie. Yeah. And she got mad at me. She was like, and I said, no, I'm serious. Like, I'm not joking here. Like, I don't want to sit in an office like this and wear a tie all day for the rest of my life. Yeah. And she told me to get out. She said, get out of my office. And I was like, okay. All right. And I remember at 17 and I was getting ready to graduate. And one of my friends was like, what are you going to do with your life? And I remember clearly saying to him, I have no idea, but I'll figure something out. And I was confident when I said it. I have no idea why I was confident when I said that. But I still remember even the hallway where I said that. Like, I just need to get out of here. And I'll figure something out. Yeah. And there were, I'm not going to say there weren't hard times. There was four years of, of hell after that because I was bouncing around from job to job and getting fired. I got arrested. You know, I'm not saying follow my lead <laughs> on this, but it turned out to where, you know, I always love sports, but nobody in school ever encouraged me to study sports the way we're trying to do with our kids. It's like, if my guidance counselor would have said to me, you know, you could be a professional photographer. I'd be like, what? Like you can, I, you'd be on the field with your favorite players. I'm like, wait a second, what are you talking about? You get paid good money and your job would be to go to the stadium and literally be in the dugout with them or on the field with them. I would have been the best student in my high school if they would have told me that was a possibility. Instead, I was the worst student in my high school because, you know, I didn't know there was nothing that was exciting to me about what they, what they were teaching me. So I got then at 22 years old after those four years of struggle, 
I had nothing to lose. And I wish more people felt like they had nothing to lose because I was like my dad. One night I was, I was depressed and I had been arrested and I said, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. It was two o'clock in the morning. And my dad said very nonchalantly, well, you like traveling. You like taking pictures. You like sports. Why don't you become a sports photographer? And having no expectations from anybody and having nothing to lose, I said, why not? So I just started buying tickets to games in New York and sneaking to the front row and meeting people and asking photographers questions. And within two years, a year and a half, I had an internship with National Hockey League and then New York Newsday. And then winning. A, then all of a sudden, I got better as a photographer. And next thing I know, I'm at the Super Bowl and the World Series and everything you can imagine. I love your story because it helps redefine what the expectations are. First of all, you can get rid of all expectations in some way, because if you yeah. just remove the expectations, you have nowhere to go but up. And and I'm not saying that that's always perfect and life is going to be great. But I also think like you made your own path. You didn't follow this path like, oh, you go to this high school and you take these classes and then you get this grade and you get these awards and then you go to this college and then, you, you know, like there was nothing about that in your path. You got there, but you totally did it on your terms and figured out what worked best for you. And that's what I love about your story. Thank you. I mean, and I and I don't think it's for everybody. I think there are a lot of people that want a job. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people that want to follow the rules. And that's great. I'm not here to tell. But what I am, when I talk to people, there are a lot of people that were like me that felt lost. They felt stupid. They were told that they were stupid, even though they know they're not stupid. Like I knew I wasn't stupid. There was no way to prove that. Mm -hmm. Like I'd be witty. I would have conversations with adults and I'd say things to make them laugh or different things we'd talk about. And they'd be like, oh, this, you know, he's sharp. So they, they said things to me that give me confidence. But according to school, I wasn't smart. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of people or their kids are like that. Like, oh, he's, he's so brilliant with this, but he's terrible in school, right? Well, maybe they don't need school in that way. Maybe they need freedom to be able to explore what they want to explore. Because if you are ADHD entrepreneur like I am, you need that space to think and to challenge yourself and to go at your own pace. And I think that's why so many people are frustrated because they're, they're, they're fit into a spot that they don't belong in. I think what you're demonstrating for me, so I was a former teacher. I left teaching without necessarily knowing what I was going to do. And I know my mom was having a heart attack every single day. And I was like, mom, relax. It'll work out. Like, it'll be fine. I knew that. And, you know, I think I probably have some similar traits to you in that aspect because I knew it was going to work out. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I landed. Mm -hmm. But I think what coming out of 2020, I think... What's interesting about your story is that when I think about where, so I have a kid, I have three children, 11, nine, and four. Mm -hmm. And I think I was craving this unschooling, homeschooling life, but was too afraid. And I didn't know what, mm -hmm. it, you know, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I need permission or I was looking for permission. And then all of a sudden 2020 happened and it's in my lap and I'm seeing things in my kids that I had no idea existed, not just how they were, but like, I have a daughter who is so witty and funny. And I was like, I had no idea she was that funny. Like, I just thought she was the quiet kid that followed the rules. And here she is like this yeah. crazy sense of humor. And so I think what 2020 is as crazy as it was and as excited as I am to be done with it. I also think it was such a gift because it gave us permission to see things so differently from how society expects us to behave and how kids are supposed to learn in school and all those things. So I really appreciate your story because I think you gave permission to so many people just in being a model. And now people are seeing the value of that and say, oh, there's other people that do this. This isn't as crazy as, as I think it is. That's really cool. I mean, I love that story about your daughter because it's like they really – we don't often give them enough credit for who they are yeah. at such a young age. And you know, we've studied this a ton that most kids lose their curiosity by the time they're 10. And, but when they're four, they have tons of it. Yeah. 
And as we studied this more and more, it was because they were given free reign to be curious for a couple of years. And then the system came into it. And by the time they're 10, you know, if they're really into birds and they're sitting in this classroom, which they don't want to be in, Mm -hmm. and they're looking out the window and they see this really cool bird and they try to look at it or they try to talk about it, they get told to be quiet. You're interrupting the lesson. But this is what they're curious about. You can't have every kid doing whatever they want in school. It's, it's madness. So they have to keep everybody in line. So this kid eventually stops asking questions because when they do, they get in trouble for it. And that's when the curiosity starts going away. And that's when they start losing it. So if we can get them to either not lose it or to bring that back, I think we're going to have a more vibrant world. It's interesting. I'm thinking back to my own research days of youth development and how kids thrive, really how people thrive. And this is even true now as I, it's kind of funny, it's, it's ringing true in entrepreneurship and business development is there's really four elements to life, belonging, mastery, autonomy, purpose, generosity. I guess there's five there. Those are all the things that we need our entire life. And yet yeah. we allow kids to have certain pieces at certain times and we get to decide, you know, it's a little bit backwards, I think sometimes, but I love that you are paving the way and giving permission and being an example for so many different people. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) I want to switch gears for just a second because I think what's how I've gotten to know you really well is through some of the work you've been doing to really support entrepreneurs and finding their own voice and creating community. And so I want to give you the space to talk a little bit about the Total Life Freedom community and what you're cultivating over there. Yeah. Once again, everybody's like, oh, how did you put that? What was the plan for it? Like, there was no plan for it. (laughs) I love to just kind of see what's going on and look at the road and say, which direction do I want to go on? And I like having options. So having financial freedom, having time freedom gives you options. And so I'm not a big money guy. You know, I know we come from like choose FI world and stuff like that. Like I'm all about financial freedom and independence, but I'm not a wealthy, I'm not a like, oh, get massively wealthy. And that's my goal type of thing. I'm, I want freedom to do what I want to do. Right. And it doesn't require as much as people think to get there. So it came to where I was, you know, I was a photographer. I love what I was doing. I got to shoot all these high profile events, but I felt like it was all about me. And I felt very lonely and very, very selfish with it. And it's weird because everybody will be like, oh, tell me that story about this. Or when you worked here and I tell them, I felt like kind of a, like a monkey, like tell, like just performing for people. And, but nobody ever said, oh, you helped me out with this. And I felt this need to be more helpful than I was, be more generous. I felt very like it was all about me. Mm-hmm. And so I got, I was doing a wedding one night. We did very well with our wedding photography business, but we we're getting paid a good amount of money. I'm in the restaurant area with the DJ before the reception starts and his business is struggling. And I'm sitting there, we're eating our salmon, whatever they fed us. And I'm coaching him on his business and I'm loving it. And he's not paying me. I'm just Mm -hmm. having this conversation. And then he goes, oh, we got to go out. You know, the reception is starting. And at that moment, it was, you know, we were doing it for 12 years. It was six figures. Almost every year we did it from the, except for the first year. And I looked out and I said, I don't want to go out there anymore. I said, I want to stay in here. And I went home very confused that night. I was like, what do I do? Because I can't do this if my heart's not in it. Mm-hmm. And a couple other things happened. I came back to Elizabeth and I was like one night and I said, I'm done with this. And I said, I'm, I'm literally, I said, I'm done photographing drunk people dancing at 1030 at night. <laughs> That's what I said. And, and she's awesome. She said, okay, what are we going to do? And I said, I'm not sure. Like we don't have to kill it right now, but you know, I, we're soon, but I, I think this coaching thing was really interesting to me because I was starting to coach photographers on business. And I loved that part of it. I loved helping them thrive and, and achieve and get over their fears and their imposter syndrome and, oh, getting to the point of they get that freedom. 
So that's where it all started. It started from coaching, and then it started for me joining other masterminds. And you know, I'm a I'm a loudmouth, talkative New Yorker. Like I can lead a call. <laughs> I I learned in other groups, and it was fun and it was engaging. And I got started getting paid for it. And then when my book came out, I said, well, maybe it's time to do my own thing because I that was in a dad's group. I wanted to do one based around freelancers, entrepreneurs. So Andy Storch, who you know, mm-hmm. I was on his podcast, and I mentioned on the podcast I'm thinking about doing a mastermind. And I didn't know what I was going to do, how to do it, even though I ran one for somebody else. And at the end of the call, he said, tell me about this mastermind. And I said, I don't know, you know, I'm going to start it. I don't know what I said. He goes, well, if you start it, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I told him the price I was thinking. Then I called my friend, John Vandermeulen, who you know as well. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you think about this? And he said, if you start it, I'm in. And then a week later, we had a group and it started from there. And that's evolved. I don't want to go deep into the details, but that's evolved to you know, two elite mastermind groups a community, which we're thrilled to have you a part of, that's no more than 100 people of entrepreneurs and helping them build a life of time, money, location, freedom through their business. And I keep it small enough that I can be engaged and know everybody and have them connect together. We run all types of niche calls on podcasting, on finance and all this fun stuff. And it's turned into my life's work right now that I get to do this and coach other people and not get it too big where it's overwhelming, where I, just like you said earlier, I get to create the thing that I want because a lot of other people tell me, oh, you can scale this bigger and bigger. I don't want that. I want a community like I'd want to be a part of. So that's a little bit about it. And it's amazing just not to oh. like plug it, but it is totally amazing. You've created such a welcoming. I think that's where I see the generosity come in. Like there is definitely a community where people, everyone has each other's back. They're willing to support each other. And you don't get that. I, I kind of joined in part because I was like, I need to upgrade my tribe or something. Like I don't know how to yeah. describe it, but like you need people that are going to challenge you, but support you at the same time. You don't always want someone challenging you and bringing you down. And so I have just found the culture that you created and the community that you're offering is just so valuable for so many of us just kind of figuring stuff out. So thank you. And and we, you know, I ask everybody, you know, what are you going to bring to the group? Because a lot of people are trying to sell it really hard Mm -hmm. or you got to get my group, my mastermind. I don't. I really try to make sure we have the right people. My job as the rainmaker, I vet people because you're only as good as the weakest link that's in the group. And I'm very careful about who we let in and who we get rid of. Because if you don't live up to the standards that we have, not expectations, like you said, standards that we have in the group, I will ask you to leave. We've done that a handful of times. But I will ask people, you know, what are you, how are you going to help? And in the beginning, people would be like, well, what are you talking about? I'm paying you for this. You need to help me. I said, well, yes, but this is a community. Mm-hmm. And if you're not generous and you're not helpful with other people and we have 100 people doing that, it's not a great community. And then they go, oh, I get it. So when people tell me how much they love to help or how they like to connect, blah, blah, blah. I know we've got the right fit that we could bring in there. And it builds such a, not just a community, but also the trust level. Like there's so many times I think when you're in a leadership role or when you're, mm-hmm. you know, you had this, like you said, it was all about me at the top. You don't know who you can trust. And, and you, I know you've worked with some celebrities and some actors. There's this really interesting yep. space when you get to the top and you're like, well, this is it. Like, who, who, what am I supposed to do now? And who do I go to? And who supports me at the top? So I think it's a really interesting place to support people when they don't know who else they can trust. Not Again, maybe not for everybody, but it has been a really awesome community to support each other. Thank you. And, and I heard Gary Vaynerchuk say this, and I would give him total credit for it, where people say, oh, it's lonely at the top. And he mm-hmm. said, well, not if you bring people up with you. I was like, oh, yeah. I like that. Because I remember we interviewed John Mellencamp back when I was in Indiana. And the reporter was like, don't you miss the days when you were the number one rock star, you know, the eighties. And he goes, he goes, dude, he goes, I've been to the top. There ain't nothing up there. He goes, I'm cool. (laughs) 
And I was like, that's cool. I like that because he never worried about that, having to get back there. But as you do rise, and I'm not saying I'm at the top in any stretch of the imagination, but in, in your own little niche, if you start elevating, you know, it can be lonely if you, if it's on, if, if it's selfish, if it's on you, but if you're generous and your my job is to make everybody around, around me better. And I wish if people realized that they would understand that they would get better invariably from that. Because if you run a community, you run a tribe and they all start really doing great, people are gonna be like, well, what's going on in there? Like what's, who's, mm-hmm. what water are you drinking? It's because it's not about me. It's about you. So if I can do my best to make everybody there better, I'll get my rewards from it eventually. It, it's funny because you're kind of describing the Sherpa philosophy around ordinary Sherpas that, you know, we really aspire. If you're going to be a part of this community, you're going to help other people reach their summit. And if you know anything about Sherpas, it's never about the Sherpa. It's about the rock climber on Everest that's reaching the mm-hmm. summit, not the Sherpa. So I really love the way you lift people up and bring people along with you on this journey. And there's so much, I think, parallel between entrepreneurship and adventure. You know, I think I am finding that adventure is a place where my kids can kind of dabble in different things. And it's it's really about taking risk and trying new things and getting outside your comfort zone. And that's for me, this community allows me to be in a uncomfortable place sometimes yeah. on purpose, you know, to really stretch yourself and use those adventure philosophies and and grow and learn. Vincent, what didn't I ask you that you'd like to share about what's happening next in your life? Oh, I'm writing a book which is pretty cool, but I'm frustrated as I write it, as I did the first time I wrote a book. So that's, that's pretty cool. It's scary. I I find that the second one's harder than the first one, at least from my experience. So I need your, I need your support and guidance (laughs) to push me through this. That's really that, you know, not not too much. It's so funny because a lot of people talk about their big plans and I'm really, I just love to enjoy life as it comes through the best that I can. I love to just, I'm very, you know, I can get lost in my work, I can get lost in what we're doing. And I've had to learn to just enjoy the time as it goes, enjoy the trips with the kids. We all know it, how quickly they get older. And mm-hmm. we're seeing it right now with a 15 year old, like he's shooting up like a weed. And what's funny with the kids is, and I'm not sure if you experienced this for a long period of time, I felt like they're not, it's not changing very much. And this is going to go on like this forever. There's kind of the same hot size, their voice sound the same. But once our oldest voice started cracking and changing, mm-hmm. it feels like everything's moving so fast. And all I got to say, is I'm so thankful. As much as I love the business, we put a top priority on our family and family mm-hmm. time. I spent more time with my kids than I do in business by far. And seeing him at 15 and seeing what he's doing, I'm so glad that I'm not looking back and being like, man, I wasn't there for that. Because it mm-hmm. did go by so quick. I didn't think it would. I always heard like, oh, this is, uh, this is going slow. This is not going fast like people said for the first 12 years. But the last three feel like they're flying by. So as much as I'm excited about the work, the way we view it is, you know, 15, 13, and 9, if we really want to go after it, in six years, they're, they're going to be doing their own thing for the most part. We'll have all the time in the world to do mm-hmm. what we want to do. But if we can optimize the work that we're doing now, to, to love what we're doing and be financially fine money. If that's a thing that's, you know, later on, I'll have all the time to do it. So I really try my hardest to pay attention to being with the kids, being with the family and, and not missing out on that. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing all of that. If people want to connect with you or follow you or read your next book, how can they find you? Yeah, thank you. Total Life Freedom, the website is where everything's at. I have a, I have a daily podcast. It's five to seven minutes. There's no intro, outro. It's just just a story and a lesson that comes every single day. And my audiobook, Freelance to Freedom, you can download it for free. I give that away for free. It's on the website, freelance to freedom 
it's it's totallifeyearn.com slash F2F book. So if you want to get that for free, it's on there and everything's on the site or check out the the podcast if you'd like. Yeah. And you are, I didn't put this in the intro, but you are also a master storyteller. So there are awesome stories in there from all different walks of life. And I've always appreciated it. Every once in a while, I'll just listen to it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I learned something new every day from you. I swear. Many, <laughs> it's just like ma- having a guru in your ear. <laughs> many embarrassing ones that, you know, it was hard to write at first, but it's like, you know, if you can put it out there, the, the beautiful thing about this in terms of storytelling, if you can make fun of yourself and tell the stories that you're embarrassed of, there's nothing to be embarrassed of anymore. Yeah. So there's nothing to hide. So that's, you know, the more I do that, the more I do it with the podcast. Like, yeah, it's all out there. And, you know, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I know. I remember when we first talked, I'm like, is it weird that I know everything about you and you know nothing about me? <laughs> <laughs> because I think that's in the podcasting world. You forget. Like, I am sure oh, I that story. <laughs> I am sure that you're, a lot of your listeners feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Which is hard because I love I love connection and relationship, too. So it's sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I don't know anything about you. It's time to catch up. Totally, so. totally. Awesome. I will put all those links in the show notes, Vincent. It has been so fun to be a member of your community, but also just to get to know you and to see how you interact as a dad and with your kids and with your wife and all the stories you tell. I just, I love being a part of your community. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate Heidi, you are awesome. I, I'm so grateful for our friendship and our connection and everything that you bring, your energy and your vision and your, and your thoughts. And it's just been a pleasure going on this journey with you. Thank you for that, Vincent. That was awesome. I am so excited. We have eight key takeaways for today. Number one, if your life was a thank you tour, where would you go and who would you visit? After the launch of his book, Vincent and his family went on a thank you tour to personally meet and thank many of the people who helped him launch his book. Number two, curiosity is the cornerstone to community building. When you meet someone, be curious and ask questions. Number three, letting go of some of the control as adults will allow kids' curiosity to flourish. In the Puglisi family, school is life, and life is school. Number four, just say yes to things. What's the worst that could happen? Number five, sometimes you just need to be like Mr. Magoo, clueless, blind, and stubborn, but just kept walking and things fell into place. Just keep walking, even if you aren't sure where you're going. Number six, I wish more people felt that they had nothing to lose. Having no expectations allowed him to say, why not? Number seven, it's lonely at the top unless you take people with you. Being at the top can be lonely, but there's nothing saying that you have to go alone. And number eight, enjoy life. Don't get lost in work and daily life. Enjoy the moments of life that make it memorable. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. I hope I will see you in the Facebook group, on Instagram, or on our email list. All of these resources can be found at OrdinarySherpa.com. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.